Hello and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast brought to you by Fun Caliber. I'm Stacey West and today I'm joined by Eva Keynes, the ESG investment analyst at Aberdeen Standard Investments. Eva is responsible for their climate change research and we've just finished an event this evening where she presented on how to invest in a changing climate. So I've taken a bit of her time. Uh, Thank you very much and we'll just get right into it. You have a master's in economics and you actually did your dissertation on the social cost of carbon and the application in UK policy. So after doing that degree, what kind of led you to this role? Why did you choose investment analyst and finance instead of, say, wanting to be a policymaker at the forefront of pushing things through? I think that actually with this role in financial services, you have so much influence on um, where where capitalists spend and how you influence the companies in the different sectors on what they're doing in the energy transition. So policymakers can only do so much. They can set the right framework. They can set the policies. But the, the money that's needed to make the energy transition happen is not this not going to come from the policymakers. It, investors have a massive role to play. And this is why this role really appealed to me, because I thought with the climate change research that I provide to the investment decision makers, we can make a real difference in, in making the energy transition happen more than policymakers would. And you mentioned earlier in your talk that it's going to take somewhere around three trillion US dollars per year to kind of actually reach the Paris Agreement goals for energy transition. And with that, there's only been about one trillion currently globally invested in those outcomes. Where is that extra two trillion dollars going to come from? And where do you kind of see your research into urging you know, the companies that you engage with to Mm -hmm. make that transition to renewables and efficiency and low carbon economy, where, where do you see that going? How do you, I I think the two trillion really need to come from the private sector. So from us encouraging the companies we invest in to invest in the right investment opportunities for the energy transition. So those two trillion mainly need to be invested in renewables and in energy efficiency. These are the two main areas. Electrification of transport is another really big area. And if you look at some of the growth scenarios that are publicly available out there, whether that's the International Energy Agency or 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 Bloomberg scenarios, then huge amount of growth needs to happen in these areas. And so that's we can really influence that by investing in the companies that do that and encouraging the ones that don't through our engagement mm-hmm. to to do that um, by really highlighting what our expectations are. And we also have investment in infrastructure and real assets directly. We talked about that at today's event. We had our head of ESG um, real estate there, uh, Dan Grandage, and he talked about the importance of investing in real estate that is going to be net zero ultimately. And so all of this ultimately are the flows of capital that we need for the energy transition. It's clear that renewable energy and the shift towards this low carbon economy um, and what that looks like is often centered around oil and gas. But like you said, there's so many different areas and industries that play a part, such as real estate, like you just mentioned and we learned about this evening. Um, But also something that we already discussed briefly before we started um, 
recording the podcast and I think it's really interesting is the agriculture sector and this shift towards a more plant-based options and what that means other than people giving up their beloved meat obviously um but do you see this transition in your research that you're you've been carrying out on climate change and do you think that it has this potential growth in the future yeah definitely i think the whole plant-based industry not just plant-based um meat alternatives but also um dairy and the growth in plant-based milks actually has seen a huge uh, huge growth i think at, at the moment some numbers i've seen recently suggest something like over 10 percent of the market share in the us i believe from just one percent a few years ago so people are really starting to shift their their preferences um for plant-based food not necessarily going fully vegan but flexitarian as we call it so just reducing the meat and, and dairy intake um, because they're just a lot more aware of the impact this has on the environment and on um, and on their health and so the recent IPCC special report on climate change and land highlighted actually the impact that diets can have on climate change as well and on reducing emissions so i think that's an area as you say we focus a lot on fossil fuels but the impact of agriculture food production and consumption is huge so about a quarter of emissions come from agriculture forestry and land use and a lot of that around 15 percent comes from livestock and that is a lot of that is methane coming from cattle but uh, we really need to we need to challenge um what we consume how much of that we consume um to really reduce emissions that are not just fossil fuel based but also but also related to our food consumption yeah and you, you mentioned about agriculture and there's obviously countries whose entire kind of system is set up around agriculture mm-hmm. Where, where do they go? Do they need mm-hmm. to find a completely new way to define themselves? Or is it just about cutting it down, doing it more effectively? Mm, yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think we really need to transform the way we do agriculture. And it's so many aspects to that. So improving technology, improving efficiency, improving um, the soil. I think that's been a really big issue. We've seen from the IPCC report how soil erosion is a really big issue due to the really heavy downpours that um, we are experiencing and that will only get worse and what impact that has on soil erosion and the the quality of harvests we can expect. And so countries and regions really reliant heavily on agriculture need to rethink how that is going to look like in the future and what methods they're going to use and how they can be more efficient and new new innovative ways such as vertical farming we've been looking at as well so there's a lot of innovation out there that can transform the industry we we need to feed a growing population so how is that going to happen and at the moment i think there's too much of reliance on 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 proteins that are not efficient like i mentioned livestock and we're seeing a shift in um consumers actually wanting to move away from that and so um yeah, and the other thing that needs to be tackled with agriculture is the amount produced that is wasted. So I think about a third of all food produced is wasted. Again, that was mentioned in the latest IPCC report, and that contributes to, to about 10% of greenhouse gas emissions globally. I mean, this is this is the size of the emissions of the whole European Union, and that's huge. So again, coming back to the impact of that on um, 
on climate change. And and I think we're seeing trends like looking at companies such as Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods that are really... Um, that have Beyond Meat had a very successful IPO this year and it really changed the perception of growth of a company that is going into plant-based alternatives. Um, and and, uh, and I think that that's really exciting. I think that's an exciting market where we'll see a, a revolution in the next decade in terms of how what we consume and how we produce. Yeah, and it's, it's something that you mentioned, um, soil erosion and the extreme weather and we're only going to get more extreme weather, really. Um, we've had an extremely hot summer here in the UK. That's going to keep going up. Yeah. We're going to have those heat waves and we're going to have floods and we're going to see things like coral reef depletion and all these different issues because of climate change. These are all things that have come out and kind of warnings from the Paris Agreement in 2015, uh, where the government called for the global temperature uh, to be as close to 1.5 degrees Celsius, but under two, let's say more realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, however, your recent paper that you published for ASI um, has said that really this is expected to be closer to three degrees. It may seem like kind of a small number. We're looking at a one degree difference, but in reality, what what does that look like for people? What it, What is that one degree that everybody is kind of having a stress yeah. about? Yeah, I, I think the one degree is hugely significant if you were to speak to the scientists, you know, that were doing the analysis. So, um, like you say, at the moment, we're with the current policies we have in place on target for over three degree warming. And um, the, 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 the scientific report on climate change that came out last year that compared um, one and a half and two degrees was really very clear on how much of a difference even half a degree makes. So coral reefs, two degrees, pretty much going to completely disappear. Whereas at one and a half degrees, I think the number was something like 70% would disappear. So you still have a little bit there. Um, Sea level rises, again, one and a half degrees are going to be something like... Um, I think 40 centimetres if I remember correctly and and two degrees higher than that about 50 centimetres I don't remember the exact numbers but what three degrees is going to be significantly worse with sea level rises that really put cities underwater for example um, forget about coral reefs and a lot of species in terms of biodiversity Uh, the other stats that that in the comparison of the one and a half and two degrees was the number of people um, that experience water stress uh, and and that was significantly higher under two degrees so this is comparing the two best case scenarios that at the moment we're not on the trajectory for those anyway and so three degrees and beyond it's not just going to be a gradual worsening of impacts. I think there's also the point where you think three and four degrees and beyond, where you have tipping points that are just irreversible, that something drastic will will happen and change, that is not just a gradual or things are getting warmer, but actually irreversibly, um, a whole ice sheet's melting with sea level rising, rises increasing significantly and so um so one degree and even half a degree makes a big difference and i think that 
IPCC reports comparing these these two levels of warming is the best source of actually understanding what the implications would be on, on humans in terms of um, health, in terms of migration to escape from climate poverty because it's just so hot that you know, food security is, is at huge risk. So the consequences are really severe. And um, just lastly, um, because our listeners won't have heard your talk, um, how do you and your team and take all this climate change information, this research that we've just talked about, mm-hmm. and actually deliver that back to the fund managers, to kind of tell them the significance and this is what we're finding, this is what we're seeing, this is our process, and delivering that back to them so it's something that they're actively thinking about as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and that is a really big challenge also because we're such a huge company. If I was to try and get everybody, um, you know, under, uh, aware and understanding of the research that I do, that's quite a challenge. But the way we're structured in the ESG investing team is we look at specific sectors. And from a climate change perspective, I very much try to highlight for each sector relevant investment, what are the what are the risks related to the energy transition? So are we seeing increasing carbon prices in a region? Are we seeing increasing regulation? And just really highlight that with the relevant fund managers that are making those decisions and looking at those sectors for investment decisions. Um, and on the other hand, what they're thinking about less, because they quite often think, oh, this is longer term, is the physical risks. So companies that, for example, have all of their operations in Florida and coastal regions, you know, how... Are they thinking about adaptation so that their their assets and their buildings in those regions are not going to be damaged by hurricanes or rising sea levels to the point where they can't operate anymore? So the physical risks, uh, that's where I probably need to do more work on because fund managers don't... Um, always think about it um, in the same way as they think about transition risks. But I work very closely with with, uh, with the investment managers and join their team meetings, um, sit on the same floor, so it's actually quite easy to communicate. So any research is shared with them, it's presented to them directly. And if I know there's a fund manager that looks at that sector or company that I did some research on, I speak to them directly and we quite often engage with that company together on specific topics that I've highlighted. So ESG integration is a core and has been a core part of our process um, for a long time. And climate change is just now becoming a really important ESG risk that I need to help people understand what types of risks and opportunities to think about. But in terms of the process of integrating that into the investment decision, that has been established for a long time. And I find a lot of the fund and portfolio managers they think about that in their investment process. Anyway, it's just the the detail of some of the risks. They they appreciate the input from me because I'm focused on that full time. That's very interesting. Thank you so much. I have definitely taken up enough of your time. Great. We Thanks for very much me. appreciate it. And if you want to listen to more of the Investing on the Go podcast, please subscribe to Fun Caliber. And there will be a link in the notes on our website with Eva's latest article on investing for climate change. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at your time of listening.